Welcome to the Women in Work podcast, the show that inspires you to confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. I'm Courtney Moore. And I'm Missy Branch. We want to introduce you to women who, through their own unique vocations, are seeing what they do make an eternal difference. And we pray these conversations will inspire you in your own calling to honor God, to image Him to the world through your work, and to leverage your potential for His glory. Thank you so much for joining us today. Women in Work is grateful to partner with Elevate as the exclusive sponsor of this podcast and the entire fall podcast season. Elevate equips and empowers families around the world by helping them create sustainable work through small businesses. Their leather products are beautiful and well-crafted. Please see the impact they are having in their products on their website at elevatepeople.com. And when you make a purchase, be sure to tag Women in Work and Elevate at elevate.people on Instagram and elevate.ppl on Facebook. Thank you, Elevate. Well, welcome to the show. Today we have with us Kristen Schmucker. She is the founder and CEO of the Daily Grace Company, which is a company that equips disciples in the Word of God. She is also a wife and a mom who lives in Maryland and whose business is based out of there. Am I right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. We're we're so excited to have you here. Thank you so much. So, yeah, um, I... That, the bio was great there. My husband and Jeremy and I have been married for about 12 years now. We live here in Maryland. We founded the Daily Grace Company seven years ago, which is hard to believe. And wow. we live in Maryland now, but I grew up in Pennsylvania. Uh, my husband and I actually met in college in Florida. And then he went to seminary in Texas. So we've kind of lived all over, but we're here in the D.C. area, and we really love it. That's great. Okay, so how long did you say you've been in the D.C. area? Uh, about two years. Okay, right. Okay. Yeah. And so you grew up, you said, in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Now, did you become a Christian when you were young or had you, did you grow up hearing the gospel? You know, what was yeah. your kind of backstory with your salvation? Yeah, I was raised in a Christian home and I'm so grateful for that. I was in church, you know, really from the time I was about five years old. Um, and I really understood the gospel and became a believer when I was 11 um, and just really recognizing my personal need of a savior and more than just kind of being a good girl and going to church like I had grown up. And so that's really when the Lord transformed my life. And so just kind of through those high school, college years is when I was becoming really grounded in my faith. Um, And then early into adulthood that I really understood what discipleship was, what it meant to study the word of God and how God's word kind of intersects with our personal lives. And that was just kind of my journey of discipleship that kind of um, really transformed then the course of my life. Well, at the beginning of each one of our um, interviews, we like to do what we call rapid, rapid fire questions. And what we like to do is just ask you three questions. They're kind of silly, but we love to hear it. We learn more about you. We love our audience to learn more. So I'm going to get us started. The first one is, as a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I was not one of those kids that had like one thing that I wanted to be. I kind of, I was changing my mind all the time. But if there was one thing that was pretty consistent, um, it was that I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, and so really? that, did, that did not happen. But that is kind of what even, you know, the way I like what I chose in college as a major, it was all about being a lawyer. 
Okay. So what did you major in in college as well? I was actually a history major. Um, but the reason for that was I wanted to focus on the law um, so that I could be a constitutional lawyer. But like I said, that, wow. we, didn't, we didn't follow that path. <laughs> so I wanted interesting. To be a lawyer too. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Very cool. I never wanted to be a lawyer, so <laughs> I'm glad you guys did. <laughs> All right. Kristen, what was your first job? My first job was working at Hollywood Video, which is funny because those don't even exist anymore. So if you don't know what that is, if you're too young for that, it's kind of like a blockbuster. So I worked at the cash register. People would come in and rent DVDs or VHS tapes, taking taking us back there. So it was was actually a lot of fun. Okay. Do you know what's hilarious is that when I was in high school, I interviewed for a job at the movie gallery, the same exact thing. I love it. Yeah. But do you know what? They didn't hire me. Oh, no. What I was like, thinking? <laughs> I have no idea. I did not get the job at the movie gallery. So I don't know. Well, you also, you're like, anyway. but it can't be because I'm not qualified, right? right? I mean, I was 16 and had a car. I mean, I think that's the major, like, qualification. Right? You can get there. But no, yeah. they, they passed me over. So I'm glad you did it. You you've, you did it, girl. I lived the dream. <laughs> you did. Okay. Last question. What kind of work do you want to be doing when you're 80 years old? I want to be working at the Daily Grace Co. Um, I love what I do. I love the work that we do equipping believers. And I truly can't imagine anything being more satisfying and fulfilling than what I'm doing right now. So that's amazing. Okay. Well, we want to hear more about the Daily Grace Co. Okay. So you said it started seven years ago. Yeah. Um, But just for people who are just, you know, they're listening to our podcast, maybe somehow they've missed you and this company. Tell us just, Kind of, uh, you know, what type of products are you selling? What are you got? How are you equipping disciples in, in, you know, general sense? Yeah. So the Daily Grace Co. exists to equip disciples to know and love God and his word by creating beautiful, theologically rich and accessible resources so that God may be glorified and the gospel made known. And so our company began around our kitchen table in a tiny apartment in seminary housing while my husband was in seminary. And it was really just our desire to share the hope of the gospel and the beauty and comfort that we had personally found in God's word with those around us. So we began with one small devotional in an Etsy shop, and my husband and I were packaging orders with our shipping label printer literally propped up on top of our stove because we had no counter space in this tiny apartment. Um, And so we just propped it up on the stove, made sure the stove was off. Um, And then now, seven years later, the Lord has just continued to grow our company. And um, he's just used the resources that our team has created to encourage and equip disciples around the world, which we are just so grateful and humbled by. And so we currently have about 50 team members. Um, We have two warehouses here in Maryland. We have an online shop, a podcast, an app, a blog, lots more things. And this year we are on on track to ship about 1 million Bible studies around the world. Unbelievable. Wow. I mean, Kristen, wow. We're so grateful. So grateful. A lot of of people would look at this success and they don't see the seminary housing, the stovetop. They don't see the hard days and they assume that it just was an easy um, overnight sensation. But how... That's usually not how God grows ministry. He almost never does that way. So will you share um, what was the genesis? What was the birth of this incredible ministry that you have? 
Yeah, so the desire to equip disciples was really birthed out of the loss of our daughter. Um, Sophia was stillborn when I was 37 weeks pregnant. And it was just through that loss that the Lord taught us so much about himself, about our need for the church, about our need for his word, and really about the comfort and hope that we find in the word of God as believers. And so it was really, it was during that incredibly difficult season that my husband, Jeremy, just encouraged me to think about what we were facing and this kind of life altering event that we just were not anticipating. Um, and how God could use that suffering um, to bring glory to himself and how he might use our lives to play a small part in that. Um, and I have kind of through this process really just begun sharing on Instagram, social media, what God was teaching me um, just about his character and his faithfulness in those days after we lost our daughter. And so our first devotional in that little Etsy shop was really taken directly from the pages of my journal as I studied God's word in those weeks after we had lost Sophia. Um, And so we put it into this small booklet um, and we launched it in this Etsy shop. And I think we were expecting like, okay, our moms are going to buy this, maybe (laughs) a few close friends. Um, And that was, that was about it. And we sold hundreds of copies in that first week. And we were just kind of blown away because, again, we're shipping from our, you know, our kitchen table um, and our stove. Um, And we were just blown away. And really, the last seven years have just been kind of one more, you know, step of faith and step of obedience um, and, you know, one more resource that we've worked to provide and, and just continue to add team members. Obviously, it was just the two of us when we started. And now we have this team of over 50 people. And so it's just been one step after the next, but really it it started with so much suffering. And I think that's just a testament to how the Lord works. Like you said, Missy, that he, he uses sometimes the hardest things um, to bring about blessings that we could have never imagined. I don't think I would have ever even dreamed um, of the daily grace company years ago. It's just like him to take something so tragic and yet really transform our entire lives and then see him get glory from it. Isn't it crazy? It's amazing. Well, and I keep thinking too, um, how that sorrow and, and death. Now you look at, there's so much life, abundant life, um, with these disciples and it's just the redemption he brings is, I mean, I'm no, none of us want to walk through those things, but I think it's so, um, so hope filled to think of what he can do through those things. And so we're grateful that you guys decided in those hard moments to turn back to the Lord. It's all you could do. I'm sure. Um, but thank God that, that he gave you the grace to do that and then birth this ministry out of it. It's amazing. Um, so before, okay, before you even sent out those first, um, studies from your journal, from the Etsy shop, you know, I'm sure you had in your mind, okay, my husband's in seminary. He's going to be doing, you know, I'm sure you guys had some kind of idea of what type of ministry he would be in. What were you thinking about yourself before all of this began? Did you think, okay, I'm going to be just a wife and mom. This is how I'm going to pour my life into this. You know, talk, talk go back to those days and kind yeah. of share. So it's so interesting to think back because, you know, 
for, there's not a ton of job opportunities out there for a woman with a seminary degree. I'll throw that one out there. Um, and I don't think that it was on our, you know, my radar to start something like the Daily Grace Company. I wasn't really sure, you know, what the next steps would be. Um, at that time, obviously, we were preparing to have our second child. I was a wedding photographer at the time. So I think that entrepreneurial bug was right. kind of rooted deep. Um, and I do remember when I was in college, even so even before seminary, um, being in college and a friend doing a Bethmore Bible study with a friend. And I had really never been exposed to a woman teaching the Bible before. And so this was like my first experience with that. And I remember telling Jeremy, we weren't even married at the time. We were still dating saying, if I could have a dream job, and in that time, it really was just a dream job. It wasn't something I was going to go pursue. I said, I would love to teach women the Bible. Um, and it's so funny because years later, after we lost Sophia, um, he was the one that reminded me of that dream and said, remember in college when you said that, and now the Lord is opening doors for you to teach women and really to show what God has done in your life and and." just describe the hope that comes even in the darkest suffering. Um, and it was that reminder of that dream from him that really propelled me to literally pick up a pen and a piece of paper and just start writing as I was studying scripture. Wow. Gosh. Wow. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's beautiful. Well, it sounds like you're just naturally gifted, like, cause you were a wedding photographer, you have an entrepreneurial <laughs> bug, you're writing Bible studies, you even have dreams of teaching women. What are some of your unique gifts and skills? And like, what are the things that you love to do? And, you know, that you would even think this is something that could be a business. Yeah. So I, obviously the initial passion that I had that the Lord gave was just to show believers the beauty of the gospel and point them to scripture. Um, and that was something that I loved so much and that I still do. And that passion for our mission is truly still what gets me up out of bed every morning, wow. ready to lead our team. Um, but I think that the Lord also sometimes shows us some of those unique skills, talents, or passions that we didn't even know that we had. And so for me, one of those was leadership. I had never really thought much about leadership, but now I love leading our team of men and women in our mission. Um, and so if you meet the members of our team, you would know that the mission of the Daily Grace Co. is their life mission for each person on this team. Um, and it's a, it's a joy for me to be able to lead them in that. But I say that saying that as our company began to grow pretty rapidly, you know, we started out very small. We kind of grew steady at the beginning, and then we really started to grow quickly. I distinctly remember, this is not a joke, Googling how to be a CEO, because I did not feel equipped to lead this team that now I am leading. Um, and so I think it's just the way the Lord works sometimes that now it is just one of my, my biggest passions. And I didn't even know um, that that was something that he was developing in me already and giving me a passion for. And now it's truly one of my favorite parts of my job. That's so That's awesome. fascinating. I think you're exactly right, is that the Lord puts us where we feel ill-equipped and we just have to depend upon him. But let me ask you this, um, besides Google, which is all, literally a help, and YouTube, I'll throw in YouTube oh, as yes. well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
how did you, besides trial and error as well, like, were there some books that stand out in your mind that helped you become a better leader as a woman? Because I think there are so many, I mean, I hear you say that. And even myself, I think the same thing. I, I wasn't trained in how to be a leader as a woman, you know, in the yeah. church. And so just if there's anything that just kind of stands off the top of your head, like, oh, that was a really helpful tool to help, yeah. you know, bec- kind of yeah. grow those muscles. You know, when it comes to leadership, there's a book by Michael Hyatt called The Vision Driven Leader. And that is one of my favorites. I think it's just so helpful in thinking through why you do what you do, why, how you lead people and um, help them not to just, you know, as a leader, our goal is not for people to do what we say. It's for them to believe right. in what we believe in. Um, right. And I think that book was really helpful for me in that. Um Patrick Lanchoni has a ton of books. Mm-hmm. I love his book, The Advantage. Mm-hmm. So, so good. Um, and there's just, there are so many resources out there. For me, I didn't, I don't think I knew all those resources existed until I started digging into one or two. And then the next thing you know, your reading list is like a hundred books long. So those are <laughs> two that jumped to my, top of mind. That's great. Well, um, kind of going back to, okay, so you majored in history to become a lawyer. Yeah. And then the Lord plants this ministry, um, births this ministry out of you. And now you're, you're using these leadership skills. You're, you're, I mean, business, you're, you're running a business, right? So I'm sure you didn't start out thinking, okay, as a Christian, here's how I'm going to run a business. <laughs> here are some must haves, right? But no doubt over the last seven years, you've, the Lord has taught you and you guys, even you and your husband, as you work through how to do this. Are there some kind of must-have foundational truths um, for yourself and for other women, you know, as you think about not just providing biblical content, but running your business in a Christ-like way is kind of what I'm getting at. What are those things you would say, this makes us distinctly Christian in our operations? Yes. Yes. I love that question. Um, And so I would say that the big principle that we try to run our business with and also to instill in our entire team is that we work so that God may be glorified. Um, And so I mentioned earlier our company's mission statement, and I'll I'll repeat it again. It says the Daily Grace Co. exists to equip disciples to know and love God and his word by creating beautiful, theologically rich and accessible resources so that God may be glorified and the gospel made known. And I would say that the glory of God is the lens through which we have to view our business. And so everything that we do has to be done in order to accomplish that end goal. So whether that is our content team who are busy writing Bible studies or recording podcast episodes, our design team, they're busy designing these beautiful resources, or our marketing team sharing on social media, or even our warehouse team who are shipping hundreds of thousands of packages, We work for God's glory. We work to accomplish that end mission of equipping disciples. And I once read a story about NASA. And when they were seeking to put a man on the moon, um, someone was interviewing employees. And they interviewed a custodian at NASA. And they asked him what his job was. And he did not say that his job was to be a custodian. He said that his job was to put a man on the moon. And I have told that story to our team so many times because that is how I want us to view what we do. Ultimately, our job is to glorify God and equip disciples. And so that is going to look different for every member of our team. For some of them, it is 
looking at financial spreadsheets with passion because we believe in the mission of our company or answering customer service emails with joy because we know that's part of our mission or, you know, going to meetings and pursuing productivity for God's glory. And so I think it could be easy to think that because our resources are Christian, that, you know, it kind of makes it easier to be a distinctly Christian business in our operations. But I think really those principles of working for God's glory translate to, you know, any aspect of business, any aspect of work. And I feel like, too, I'm just looking at your uh, your core values um, going above and beyond. I mean, that's just screams like we're doing this for God's glory, you know, yeah. um, better together, just the passionate aspect of it, innovation, missional, efficient, adaptable, all of those things I feel like, too are just really baked into that foundation of like, yes, this is all for him and make him look good no matter what aspect. Yes. Yeah. And so when we talk about our core values, we talk about missional being kind of this cornerstone core value, which is exactly what I think you're seeing there. It's we go above and beyond because we believe in our mission. We are passionate because you know, this mission is our life mission, not just the work that we do. And so, yeah, really all of those things kind of, um, are about the mission of glorifying God. And I think they could apply to whatever work you're doing. I think you're right. Now, I'm just curious. When you started this business, it's you and your husband and you're in charge of everything. Like you are shipping, you are writing, you are thinking, you are dreaming, visionary. But as the as the business grows and you have more and more people, your hands become less and less involved in the minutia of everything. As a leader, though, was that an easy transition for you or did you find that hard to begin to let pieces go? It was a little bit difficult um, at times. And I still love, you know, knowing what's going on in all of the departments. But I will say that really for us, the key has been if you have the right people on your team, you can trust to delegate things. So we have a phenomenal leadership team and I know that I don't have to, you know, micromanage them or check every little thing that they're doing because I know that they are passionate about our mission that they are committed to our, our mission, our core values, and that they are going to get it done. And so I would say having the right people is really just such the, the biggest key factor in making that being able to let go a little bit um, and delegate some of those things so much easier. That's awesome. Well, I know being a CEO, you also probably have to be pretty organized, right? And I believe we read that you enjoy planning and being organized. I do. I do too. I follow these people. I follow like planner companies and things like, so what are some of your favorite digital tools um, and paper planners and different things like that? How do you organize your life and your day as a CEO? So I love all things organization, productivity, and efficiency. I just love those things. So <laughs> when it comes to digital tools, we use um, first like the G Suite, so Gmail, Google Drive, Google Calendar. We love those for the collaborative um, effect of them that our entire team can use them. We can be working on the same mm-hmm. spreadsheets, the same documents, and it makes it super simple. We also love connecting with our team through Slack. Um, that is just so much fun. Um, and then we, yes, it's the best. Uh, and then we love the software ClickUp, which is an amazing project management tool. So that kind of keeps our whole 
team on the same page as far as projects that are coming up because a lot of times our projects are moving through several departments before they're ready to launch. Um, and then paper tools that I love. I love the Full Focus Planner. I know I mentioned one of Michael Hyatt's books earlier. Our team right now is reading his book, Free to Focus. We love doing kind of like a team book club. Um, we're reading fun productivity work-related books, which is really fun. Um, and then I also love power sheets from Cultivate What Matters. They're a helpful tool that our team uses to keep track of quarterly goals. Um, so those are some of my favorite things. One of the tools that's been really helpful for me in kind of keeping things organized is a planning out an ideal week. Um, and so I will I will say that this does not always happen the way that I planned, but usually quarterly. I'll try to kind of take a look at my week and I do it quarterly because it really does change um, from month to month and think through um, like you know, standing meetings that I have, different, you know, events or maybe ministry things that I need to put into my schedule. And I just block it out in a Google calendar. And that has, I block off time for different aspects of my job. And then I even share this with my executive assistant. That way she can know like when to schedule meetings, when I'm free. And it really helps me to be more disciplined in my work to make sure that I I'm doing the things that are really helpful in leading our team. It's so easy to get bogged down um, as a leader, kind of in all the little things, all the emails, all the kind of like putting out the little fires yeah. um, and never take time to think big picture about the vision of the company. And so I just block out some time each week to do that. Um, and so for instance, one of my favorite little productivity tips is that studies show that Tuesday is the most productive day of the week for over 90% of people. And this is okay. definitely true for me. So one of the things that I do is I block off Tuesdays um, and I don't have any meetings on Tuesdays so that I can accomplish my to-do list. So Monday's meeting Monday. I usually have like six to eight meetings like all day stacked up on top of each other. And what happens is then I have a bunch of to-dos and if I'm in more meetings on Tuesday, it's just they never get done. So I block off Tuesdays. I work through my to-do list. Um, and it's super helpful. And then Friday mornings, I always block off for like vision, big picture planning, dreaming up new resources, um, because that's something that's easy for me to just kind of shove out of my schedule because other things came mm -hmm. up. So I love just thinking about practical ways to kind of block out my week and make sure that the most important things are always getting done. That's wonderful. Do you even schedule like breaks or devotion time or workouts and things like that? Yes. I So I schedule all of those things right into my calendar and give them time blocks um, and kind of make them, you know, to-do lists. So it's like, you know, this time that's my workout. It's like right there in the calendar <laughs> makes me do it. So Kristen, let me ask you this. What is your Enneagram number? Are you into the Enneagram? I, I'm a one, but I also score very high as a three. So okay. I would say I'm a one, but the like the productivity side, I think that's a little bit of my three coming out. <laughs> because I, I hear you and it's very inspiring to me. <laughs> and I think, could I do it? Even if I block the calendar, could I stick to the calendar? You know, I don't know. I want yeah, to. You know, and I'll say this, that I don't always stick to the calendar because life happens. 
Sure. But it's helpful in having the calendar blocked that way because then I have a place to look back on and say, right. okay, this is this is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Well, and I feel like too, even when I take the time to think through exactly what you've done and, and just create goals for myself like that, I'm so much more productive rather than, okay, yes. I'm going to get up. And of course you probably have your own, you know, if you have kids in the home, I mean, there's a morning routine you're, you're doing with your children yeah. every single day anyway. So you're doing that regardless. But if I have those certain things where I know like, no, this has to get done this week, yeah. you're going to, you're going to do it as if you have been intentional to go ahead and think through those things. So yeah. that's great. That's really good. Wow. Do you also schedule like, I feel like we're talking so much about your work, but you also have a home life. I mean, do you schedule your, are you adding in kids stuff to the work? I'm sure it's, you know, are your kids all in school in person right now or how, how, what, you know, the ages of your kids? Cause you've got yeah. five kids at home. I mean, we're not talking, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is a whole bunch. Yeah. So yeah, I do schedule breaks. I work a pretty typical work day schedule during the week. Um, though there are definitely seasons where hours can be a little longer depending on what's going on. I do really try to set aside weekends, to just be with the family to rest, to be able to be in church and just spend time, you know, outside with the kids and that kind of thing. Um, but there are definitely times of year, um, you know, where work happens on a Saturday. It just happens. Um, sure. And, you know, we try to be flexible with that as long as it's not the you know majority of the time. Um, I, I definitely do struggle sometimes to put work down. And I think that's especially true because I love what I do. I really, right, really do. Right. Um, so planning um, things that kind of get me out of the office and doing things with my husband and kids, is just helpful. Um, and just even planning to have time to rest and read a book and go for a walk um, and trying to prioritize sleep. One big kind of adjustment my husband and I have made recently is we do not allow our cell phones in our bedroom because I could be on my phone answering emails and Slack messages until like two minutes before I go to sleep. Um, so we, yeah. we put our phones, we plug them in downstairs um, and, you know, we go up, upstairs to bed to relax and we don't have that added distraction. So I think sometimes just thinking through some of those little things um, like setting work aside or leaving your cell phone downstairs can be very, very helpful. So we do have five kids. Um, they are not in-person school right now due to COVID, and our schools haven't fully opened up yet, but we are hoping um, in the fall that everything should be um, hopefully back to normal, um, and then they'll be, in, they'll be in public school then. Okay. So this is interesting. So you are CEO of this ministry, this business, this company. And you work alongside your husband. So as I'm listening to you talk about how you're balancing out work and home, but you work with your husband. He's the CFO of this company. So how do you guys maintain this? How do you, A, maintain the work relationship and the home relationship? But then how is it fitting just working with your husband every day? Yeah, so we, we love working together. We truly do. And I know that that is not for every couple, so I totally get that. Um, but we really operate as amazing partners, both in work and at home. And we value each other's input and just have this foundation of communication and teamwork that really makes things go as smoothly as possible with a growing business, five kids, ministry, all the things. Mm -hmm. so <laughs> we really do love it. I love that. That's awesome. 
So is it difficult at all for if you're leading, well, you say you're, would, I'm thinking if you're the CEO, right, and you're kind of in charge at work, right, and then you come home and, um, you know, he's leading your home, is it difficult at all for you to transition that shift or are you guys like, no, we're just so like on, you know, target here? Yeah, you know, I think we've never really had a huge struggle there. We, I think we just have this um, vision of partnership um, yeah. in work and home that has made that a pretty smooth and, and just easy transition um, for us. So thankfully, that's never really been a struggle. That's great. Awesome. Um, so you have three biological children in the home, two that you adopted from Costa Rica, which is so fun to me because I lived in Costa Rica for two years as part oh. of the um, journeyman program through the yeah. International Mission Board. Awesome. Um, it was years ago. So I loved reading that about you that you and you guys went down there. How long were you there when you adopted your children? About two months that we stayed okay. in Costa Rica. Yeah. Wow. Were you in the city? Were you in San Jose or were you? We were mostly in San Jose and then we kind of stayed like in an Airbnb right outside the city. Okay. Uh, we'll have to talk about after we air, like what, if you were able to go to any beaches or. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I have some, there some beautiful spots down there that the yep. Lord made for us to enjoy. Okay. So how did it come about that you guys decided, wow, we, we got this ministry. We've got already these three lovely children at home. Um, Let's bring two more in from Costa Rica. How did how did the talks come about? And um, you know, just talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, so we really have thought about adoption for years, really since the beginning of our marriage. And um, really, it was just the the call of the Book of James that true religion is caring for orphans and widows. And that does not always mean adoption for everyone. So I want to make sure um, to say that. Um, but for us, um, we we felt like God was calling us to adopt, and so we we just you know decided to begin the process, and it kind of just we began, and the Lord led us to use Lifeline Children's Services based out of Birmingham, mm -hmm. and we used them, and then we just began the process, and um, it we have been really grateful. Adoption is something that stretches us. And, yes. but we've, we've just been so grateful for the Lord's faithfulness and leading. And so your children did not speak English right off the bat. They did not. And you guys do not speak Spanish, right? We do not. Very, very minimal. How did that happen? Yeah, we had enough Spanish while we were in Costa Rica to kind of get by. I mean, like I said, we lived there for about eight weeks. So we had to, you know, get to the grocery store and, you know, do all of those things. But um, we, the kids picked up on English so quickly. Um, and we're really grateful for that. They wow. learned pretty quickly. So uh, continuing with the mom aspect of, of your life, Kristen. So I'm thinking of the summer months or even now with them in person or not in person, sorry, at home doing school. How are you? I mean, you must have some help. I'm just thinking, how, how are you making it work to fulfill all your work duties and then obviously be faithful to spend time and love them and take care of them? Um, how I know everybody's different. So there's no one answer for this. Right. I mean, we could talk to 20 women and there would be 20 different answers, but are there some ways that you found like, oh, we found this was super helpful? Yeah. 
You know, I think the big thing has probably been being really flexible, especially with COVID. Mm -hmm. It's been, you know, crazy that things have, they've not always gone according to plan, especially this past year. The way we Mm -hmm. thought things were going to go, they often didn't, or schooling plans or childcare plans, you know, things just don't always happen the way you think they're going to happen. So for us, really just being flexible and pretty regularly evaluating kind of what is our plan, communicating, Jeremy and I, my husband, communicating like what's working, what's not working? Is there something that we can change? And really over the past year since we've adopted and we kind of got home from Costa Rica about three weeks before COVID lockdown. So it was a crazy transition, Um, but we've just evaluated and our plans have changed. You know, we started kind of, we would split the days. So I would work these like early mornings, Um, and he would be with the kids and then he would work afternoons and I would be with the kids. Then we kind of divided and conquered. It was like, he had a couple kids. I had a couple kids. So we've tried all different things. And I think, um, just that the aspect of being flexible has been really important for us in making sure that we are just meeting each other's needs and making sure that, you know, what we need to accomplish is being done and no one's too overwhelmed. So we might all be a little overwhelmed in this time, but I'm just trying to help each other as best as we can. No, that's great. That's helpful. So, well, we read that you're an avid reader. Yes. So first, I want to know where you get the time. How do, do, you, do you put that on your calendar? That's the first thing. Yeah, do you schedule also, it? I'm, right. Also, I too am an avid reader. So I would love to know how many books you read a year and whether you do like Audible and things like that. All of them. Yeah. You set goals for how many books you want to read. Yes, I do set goals for how many books I want to read. Um, so I typically read, um, I would say between like 70 and 100 books a year. And I wow. do put it on my calendar. <laughs> I, I know. I knew I knew it go there. It's not the only time I read, but I usually just try to block off like a half hour in my work day, usually to read some yeah. sort of business related books. Like I said, we usually are reading something as a team. I'm usually reading something with our leadership team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I read a lot at night after I put the kids to bed. Um try to do more reading than TV though. Hey, sometimes you just want to like <laughs> need a break. That's time go, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I, I tend to read most of my reading is probably on the weekends when I am trying to kind of block off just some time to rest and relax. Um, so I'll do that. And yeah, I, I really, I love reading. I think it's, it's helped me in, um, in so many areas of life just to grow and, um, you know, be able to learn new things and, and all those things. So it's been a sure. Joy. I'm thinking, I, I feel like I would read more if I didn't have my phone next to me. You know, you yeah. talked about leaving your mm-hmm. phone downstairs at night. Mm-hmm. Are there, do you really discipline yourself? Um, I mean, I know a lot of people can put timers on their apps, like after you've looked at this app for such and such time, it won't allow you to use that for the net, for, you know, the rest of the day. Like, are there, do you, you know, is that a struggle for you at all? You know, how are you thinking about that? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't use any of those like, you know, um, screen time kind of apps necessarily, but I do think that leaving the phone downstairs has been 
um, a big help. Obviously, you know, a lot of what we do, um, you know, we have a lot of like social media marketing and things like that. So we, I, I tend to be on social media a lot. Um, but when it's during the day, it's, you know, distinctly work related. So that's where like leaving the phone downstairs stops me from like the endless scroll at night, um, and helps me to be like, okay, let's like have a conversation or pick up a book or do something other than just scroll. Um, and again, don't get me wrong. There are definitely times where I'm like, okay, I need a break. I'm just going to scroll for a little while, um, you know, see beautiful pictures on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I understand. Um, well, for women who are listening, who, you know, maybe they, maybe they want to be an entrepreneur. Maybe they have dreams of running a business. Maybe that's really their wiring and their giftedness. What advice or warning or, you know, encouragement would you give to those women specifically? You're on seven years in now. No doubt you've learned so much along the way. You know, are there things you would warn them of or encourage them with? Yeah. Like I said, I really, you know, I love being an entrepreneur. I think it there's something, you know, fun and exciting about it. But I would say that it's really important for your identity not to be wrapped up in your accomplishments. Um, and it's mm. easy, um, you know, for us to kind of get this, like, I need to do these things Um, in order in putting our identity and our hope in that. And ultimately, those might be great things, but ultimately our identity and our hope has to be in Christ. And so I think that would be my biggest maybe warning to someone that, you know, has that kind of entrepreneurial spirit, which I love and I think is great. And I will cheer you on while you do it and just (laughs) remind you to not get um, so lost in the things that you do that you forget who you are in Christ, um, mm-hmm. which is just so much more foundational than your accomplishments. So thinking that way, what would you say has been one of your greatest joys in ministry? You know, I know I mentioned earlier about just leading our team, and that is definitely just one of the biggest highlights of what I do. Uh-huh. But I think the one other thing that I would say is, Hearing from our customers is just something that never gets old. So in our team meetings, we always have a section where we just read some of the the mail, the comments, the messages, the emails that we've gotten from customers. Um, And so many of them are just so, so great to hear about women that maybe, you know, grew up in church and had never studied scripture on their own. And now using our resources, they're studying the Bible. And I would say the the one message that we get on a pretty regular basis that just never, ever, ever gets old is just hearing about women who, for some reason, um, the Lord brought our resources across their path and they were not believers. Um, and wow. then the Lord used our resources to just show them what the gospel was. And so that just usually our whole team is kind of a bucket of tears um, yes. in the team meeting, hearing about those things. And it just it's such a joy to hear how the Lord, you know, so sovereignly and providentially somehow gets those resources into the hands of people who, you know, had never even don't even know much about Christianity or the Bible. And they just kind of scroll Instagram and see, oh, wow, that's a really pretty book. I think I'll buy it. And we're just kind of like, what? Like the Lord did that. And it's so, um, you know, it's so amazing to see. And just, it's a joy. 
Wow. Speaking of beautiful products and such, what is your favorite um, product that you sell or that you use all the time in your own life where you're like, oh my goodness, I'm so thankful for this? Oh, wow. That's a great one. So we have um, a set of journals that they're called the Story of Redemption Journals. And they base, it's basically a set of four journals that has journaling space for every chapter in the entire Bible. Um, and I love it because they're just beautiful and kind of like this like heirloom item. But I use them personally. I'm using them right now um, in my personal devotional time. And it's so neat. And I can't wait till I finish the set because I feel like it's going to be such a neat like heirloom to pass down to my kids and be like, here is, you know, everything I've written on every chapter of the Bible. Um, wow. And then I would say another thing would be just thinking about um, some of our Bible studies a study that I wrote called Even If, which is a study of the book of Habakkuk um, that really just talks about God's grace and guidance and sovereignty, even when the worst possible thing happens. And I think I just look at my own life and the book of Habakkuk has been such a comfort to me that even if the worst thing happens, which, you know, for me, I look back and I think that's how I felt when we lost our daughter. Like this is the worst possible thing that I could experience. And now, you know, I see his goodness and I see his grace and sovereignty and mercy um, that's so undeserved. And I, I'm just kind of left in awe at his goodness and his faithfulness to us. So that one personally just kind of holds a really special place in my heart just because of that message of God's faithfulness. That's great. That's great. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll have to, in our show notes, we'll make sure to, we'll obviously include a link to the Daily Grace Code, but we'll put a special link um, to those things that you just mentioned so women can find that easily. All right. Well, Missy, um, as we close, we're going to go ahead and wrap up, Kristen. As we close, is there one piece of advice that you would leave with women who want to honor God through their vocational calling? Just women in general, not just entrepreneurs, but Yeah, I would just say in everything that you do, work for the glory of God. And there's going to be days when you lose that focus. And so just remind yourself of the reason that you're doing the work that he has called you to do is for his glory and kind of preach that truth to yourself on a regular basis. And he'll be faithful to remind you of it. Awesome. Kristen, I feel like I've learned so much. (laughs) I'm so excited to pull out my planner and start doing all of the things that you said you do. Well, Love and it. as a, also go to Kristen's stories because you have a highlight, right? Do, of yeah. kind of what is it? All of your planning, how you plan? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I do. Go check her out. We'll we'll include that as well. We'll put that link to your Instagram on there. Thank you so much for spending Thank time with you. us today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, absolutely. Yeah, we've loved it. And I feel like Missy too. I've learned a lot, been inspired. I just feel like I'm walking away from the conversation feeling like be more intentional with just my time. Um, and just to think through, I mean, we get only get the same 24 hours in a day and we really do want it to count for the Lord. I was just reading just this this morning, I believe about how our lives are just a vapor and we're here today. We're gone tomorrow and we really do want it all to count for the glory of the Lord. And so, um, being intentional is, is a huge part of it. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And thanks so much to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to check out our website at womenwork.net for today's show notes. There will also be more information about today's conversation there. And while you're there, 
take a look at the Women in Work podcast discussion questions. We provided those so that you can lead your friends from work, your neighborhood, or your church into useful conversations that will encourage you as you take your next step of faith into your calling. If you enjoyed today's show and don't want to miss an episode, please subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'd also love for you to take a minute to rate and review our show so more listeners can find us. And with that, we hope you've been inspired to more confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. See you next time.